How you doing, man? Doing all right, man. How's it going? It's going, it's going well. Um, do I sound okay? Yeah. How do I sound? You sound great. What are you doing right now? I'm actually driving out of Donna. Donna, Texas. Yeah. Fuck, man. You know, I always say, um, people. I, I, I do shit. I shit on the valley. I do. I do. I and I shit on Donna, Texas. I do. But there are diamonds that come from Donna, Texas. Donna produces brilliant people. That's for fuck sure. And I'll never take that away from Donna, Texas. You know, I think it's I think it's something about uh how much of a bubble we're in over here. And it's easy to become very you know, uh complacent with that you know being in the bubble and like a lot of people do down here how it's like hard good not knowing it's hard not to be you know um when i was down there and i saw you last about i don't know a couple maybe two weeks ago by now i thought about getting a tattoo while i was there on my hand for real that said one percent mm. just a, a, the number one and then the percent sign one percent and it has a lot to do with a variety of things, but one of the things is, you know, I, I tell people, and I've been saying this for years, the valley sucks. The valley sucks dick, but there's 1% that is so potent, it's better, it's better than any other place I've been. Just this 1% is better. And that 1% is what keeps us going back. It's what makes it special. But 99% of it sucks. <laughs> I mean... That complacency is part of it, you know, because everybody's yeah. there, your family's there, everything is close by, everything you know is there. What else do you need? That's the idea. Pretty much. I mean, you, anything you need is here, and everybody that you know is usually here. And uh, there's a comfort, you know what I mean? Of course. Even just in, in our, our culture, how... Uh, you know, even as you get older, everybody still pretty much takes care of each other. You know, there's that. If you're lucky, you have that strong family. Very much and so. That bond. For sure, man. Um, I never, you know, I never saw myself and my delusions of grandeur. I never felt like my comic book origin story where my character, Knives Monroe, where he was going to stay in the valley his whole life, I I'd never felt that that was the way it was going to be. Now, I tell everybody that I, that I meet, new people, that I'm from Donna, Donna, Texas. That's where I'm from. Even though I was born in Tulsa, I moved to Dallas. I didn't move to Donna, the valley, until I was six. But I grew up there. I went to school there, lost my virginity there, all that stuff. You know, so for sure, like a uh, Valley native, as they say, that was me, man, you know, but I also knew it wasn't going to be the place that 
where I was going to accomplish my dreams. And I had a fuckload of dreams, just crazy, delusional, maddening, psychotic dreams that I just knew. And, and I was that guy that beat the drum of like the local scene. You know, all we got to, you know, if just 10 people get together, man, we can put the valley on the map. Like I was that guy. Like I, I really tried. Yeah. But the valley never wanted to wanted me in that way. Like it, it, I never fit in, you know, English was my first language. And, uh, I just don't think I, I think I had too much milk in my coffee. Maybe I wasn't brown enough. I don't know, but it wasn't, I mean, a, a, I, I, it didn't want me to be better. It, it really told me it, nah, we're good. And I accepted that. Well, I mean, I, I get that. Cause I mean, even I get that and it's, you know, I, I don't understand it. I mean, I, I know Spanish. I know obviously English is my first language, but Spanish is actually pretty strong with me. I just don't practice it, mm. you know? And I think, Maybe the way I come off, sometimes when I was younger, I definitely felt like uh, kind of alienated. And uh, by like the, the actual true Mexicans that, you know, hold, you know, they, they didn't give a shit about football and only gave a shit about soccer. And, yeah. You know, it, it's like growing up in like middle school, there's like, for some reason, uh, maybe it's just a coming of age too that everybody feels like uh, you gotta have you gotta be like with something and against something like it can't all be together and maybe it's also part of the times I don't know. so something I've never personally asked you is how yeah. you grew up like I want to say we were in first grade or kinder together or something like that yeah we were first grade yeah that's we're madness. first grade together that's crazy and you have a pretty good memory it about is. that. I, it's funny. I would have never known if you never told me. Because I didn't know anybody in that class. Maybe except uh, Victoria Zamora, I want to say. But I had the hugest oh, crush on her. I thought Maybe that was Kinder. But uh, I had a huge crush on her for sure. But I, I didn't. I mean, I was just so... I, I can tell you, like, I don't have any memories of first grade but i do of kinder like first i must have just blacked out or something i don't know what was going on but as far as you're concerned like where were you born and what was you know what was coming up like for you um i was born in wasaku and pretty much went back and forth between donna and wasaku up until actually first grade I went. I went to uh, pre-K Wasico. I did uh, end in, in Donna Kinder here in Wasico, and then back again in Donna, and that's where I stayed and grew up. Uh, grew up in my in my grandpa's house with my dad. And uh, but I mean, pretty much from. When I was uh, three, I want to say, uh, my parents were split. But I saw both. I mean, I lived with my dad, but I mean, I saw my mom coming up. And uh, I'm, I'm lucky, you know, because both, both remarried. And 
I had awesome step parents. I have, and uh, they pretty much made it work so that we could all come together for like my birthdays and things like that, celebrations. Uh, you know, like if I did something good in school, uh, especially when I was younger, I was I was definitely a straight up book nerd. That's really you know, I, that's really rare that the you know and so when your parents remarried those relationships with your step parents that took Yeah, I mean get um like I said I mean I I was what four five six years old and at first I I hated the idea you know as a kid I couldn't understand it and uh you know i was a little shit for a, for a little bit but uh I, I mean i was lucky i was lucky that that both of them uh were awesome with me and uh pretty much like i, I you know a lot not a lot of people get that and uh, at least it, se- it seems like from what i've heard yeah and no, I th- I, 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 can, easy, I can confirm. Know? I think you're very lucky. That's cool. They supported me. I mean, like uh, as a kid, I was either I was either reading something, playing outside, or uh, you know, I, I got I was lucky that they got me you know toys that I wanted and stuff like that. And I was always curious. And sometimes when I was younger, like four or five, six. I would take things apart, try to put them back together. I was always curious, you know. And luckily, they they let me just kind of do whatever. And uh, and of course, with music, like uh, I got lucky with my dad. It's it's in our blood. It one of the things that I didn't know I had until later on was uh, like I was born with perfect pitch, which my grandpa had perfect pitch. My dad has relative pitch. And then I got perfect pitch again. You know, you know, I say it skips a generation. Wow. And, and so what what exactly is perfect pitch for a dumbass like me that doesn't understand? So it just, it just means that you you know when something's perfectly in tune or not. You know, you can name a note, like out of nowhere. I can hear a, a chord. Like, you know how the trains, all the trains have different chords? Right. When they, when they toot their horn. And they're, they're not all the same. Some have chords that are actually kind of nice. You know, they, they're in a, like in a major key. There's nothing out. Some of them have a lot of extra notes in there to... Which I, I personally feel like trains should have an ugly either augmented chord to them or a diminished chord so that it's it's not something that's usual and it makes you, you know, alert, which is the purpose of a train. But it's just, you know, like it's something that you hear all the time. So if it's something that sounds sweet, you know, you're not going to pay it any mind. You're going to say, oh, yeah, there's a train, but it's not going to sound ugly to you. Certain chords feel like... Uh, they give you that urgency, like out of the usual. 
I've, I've actually never thought about that. That's a good point. So what was your, it sounds like you, you know, you said it yourself that perfect pitch, you know, and also playing guitar is in your blood. Um, did you grow up with your grandpa? Like, did you ever get to watch him play an instrument and did your dad play and, and what was all that about? So, yeah, definitely my dad, I grew up with my dad having his room in our house in Leslieville. Um, he had a room in the back where he had a, an eight track recorder, you know, and, uh, he would write his songs and I would hear him play. So I grew up with that, and my grandpa played trumpet. So I would hear him play every once in a while, and he'd pull it out. And he'd, you know, he'd start playing out of nowhere, just on his own. You know, it's not like now, where we have YouTube and all these streaming services. You could play along to something in an instant. You know, he would just pull out his trumpet and play on his own songs just from memory. You know, after not playing for forever, you know? Wow. And, uh, and my grandpa actually was, I want to say he was part of a uh, touring orchestra when he was younger. Oh, wow. So, he, um, so I, I definitely grew up with it. And when I, when I first, when I first asked my dad about playing guitar, which wasn't until I was about eight. He, he gave me a song to learn. And he says, if you learn this song, then I'll teach you. But what he did was he he kind of deterred me from, he didn't want me to to go down that path of, of learning guitar and following music because he kind of felt like um, that he, he could never, you know, make that band that he wanted and never produce what he wanted to. You know his songs, which now, now actually going in just as a side note, like um, he'll give me arrangements of songs, or he'll give me chords of songs that he has, and I've been able to arrange some of them or record them so that he can actually have his music now. Wow! But uh, we'll go, we'll go into that. Yeah, totally. But, so he he showed me a song called Lady Starlight show me the intro to the song called Lady Starlight by the Scorpions. And it's not that hard, but it has what is like a string skipping. So you, you, you play like the fourth string and then you skip over and play the three other strings. It's, it's more of an advanced rhythm than just playing maybe a straight chord or something. So we kind of did it to challenge me, say like, well, if you if you can play this, then okay, fine. Like, but if you don't take the time to learn it, then you know, it's you know he wasn't gonna go down that road of trying to teach me. If that's, it was just that's a, fair. a passing phase or something. So uh, I learned it. So he decided to show me chords. And I got a I got my first guitar, which is an acoustic small scale acoustic guitar and it was a, a cherry sunburst like a no name acoustic guitar <laughs> but I loved it because it was a cherry sunburst which was like like Ace Braley from Kiss's guitar yeah and uh, you know I, I played 
cutting those cords and I learned a little more and you know, I learned it pretty quick. So he showed me, you know, a couple of techniques that he knew, which uh, like hammer-ons and pull-offs. And he, he never really learned scales or nothing like that. So he always told me just listen to the music, try to play along to it. So with that alone, I kind of, uh, I would listen to songs and try to try to figure out where on the guitar they were playing in, you know, and, and kind of learn, learned other chords that way without ever knowing what to call them or what techniques were or stuff like that. It was just, I would, I would use my ear to, to hear whatever song it was and I would, I would hit every bit of the guitar until I, I figured out what I was doing. And at that point, my my favorite band was Kiss, you know, because I grew up on Kiss and the Beatles and Pink Floyd. But Kiss was, you know, like my, my go-to for a long time, which uh, you said in elementary growing up, being into Kiss and being into music like I was, you know, uh, it, that was kind of like one of the things that wasn't easy growing up, at least in elementary. Was, uh, what do you What do you mean? What wasn't easy? It wasn't, cause, you know, I, I would like to wear my Kiss shirts and right, and right. I would talk about music and I just, what, what I was trying to talk about, everybody in my age didn't know what the hell I was talking about. So I would find myself talking to the coaches, other right. teachers and stuff like that about music. Yeah. And and it was I could tell at that you know at that age that I I just wasn't on the same wavelength. Like even at that point. So you felt that you okay that's interesting. So you felt that growing up, kind of like I don't want I don't want to put words in your head or words in your mouth, like in because you right. know I, I struggled with feeling which i've been able to process after the fact othered right like an alien i was the weird kid like i i could not have a conversation with anybody about anything you know but so your favorite thing at that time music i mean kids are not really indoctrinated at that time in the mid 90s up with music, with, with, you know, maybe Tejano at the time, maybe Selena, right? But anything that wasn't Selena didn't exist. Yeah, if it wasn't Selena or if it wasn't on, at that time, B-104. Right. Uh, you know, it didn't exist, yeah. It really just, it was just some, and rock wasn't cool at that point, you know? So it was like, basically getting teased for being into rock or, Kiss wore his makeup, you know, like little kid things, and I was like, you don't get it, man. Like, like right. yeah, they wear makeup, but it's part of the, it's part of their show, and it's part of their their whole costume, their their look. But that that was like, I I could you know I could have been talking another language. It, it, it didn't matter to them, you know. It's just like, but um. So when luckily, did it when did it change exactly? Like, what was and maybe in the valley growing up, maybe we got things a little later, 
or something because this is still pre-internet yeah. right so i don't know what it takes maybe mtv or something i don't know what it takes for things to really reach us at that point i was a pirate you know i was really into napster and stuff like that whatever i could find during oh, yeah. back in the day but even then i didn't know what i was getting right like i just i had to figure it out afterwards um so what how when what grade was it when things were starting to become cool hmm. cool cool in one sense because i mean i so i mean elementary i got i got picked on for that right and then uh even in sixth grade i would listen at that point i was listening to corn mm. pantera limb biscuit uh, was it at that point? Slipknot. And, um, yeah, I mean, Slipknot was sixth grade going into seventh grade for me. Mm. This was 2000, 99, 2000, something like that. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, I would still get, I mean, I would still get it. Like, I get bullied at that point. And, um, and I was just so like, hey man, like, I was super passive about it at that point. I just like didn't know how to really stand up for myself. Were you already like so, wearing the 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 Kiss shirts, the Pink Floyd shirts? Oh yeah, the, yeah. So you're dressing in black as a kid. I mean, it's weird. Like, we went. I think we probably grew up in the same town, but like on different sides of the literal railroad tracks, and so there's different cultures, but. You know, it, it it was weird. Like, what was what was cool? Like, what was a what was cool in elementary? Like, I don't uh, know. Because I remember like being a wrestling guy before it was cool, and then it got cool, and then I wasn't even into it. I was like, fuck all these posers. Because last year, yeah, I remember when it got. See what I'm saying? I remember when it got cool, man, and that was like <laughs> that was weird. Because yeah, I was also into wrestling. Because growing up in in my neighborhood, which was there in South Donna. Uh, close close to the elementary I went to. In 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 our neighborhood, I had my, my best friend there, neighbor, and and his cousin Jacob lived right across from me, and kind of everybody was related. I had a cousin Gus who lived there. Every all the kids, we all we all went pretty much like to go hang out at Jacob's house, and he was older, and so he always had all this music. So I got to hear like the classics from my dad. And then I got to hear the new music through Jacob, right, my neighbor in front. And and then we would watch wrestling there. Yeah. You know, so I, I remember when wrestling wasn't cool. And then once, uh, kind of like Stone Cold Rock era. Yep. That's what I remember. You know, everybody was like, oh, Stone Cold's so cool or The Rock is cool. That was weird. I was like, you don't like wrestling. You don't, you don't know wrestling. All right. Yeah, that so, was me too. Yeah, that's... yeah, liking it when it was really corny, you know, when it wasn't cool, and then it became like just as it would just became part of the culture. Like if you didn't like wrestling, if you weren't watching it, or if, if you at least didn't know what was going on, um, you were you weren't cool. As far as like the testosterone that was around us growing up at the time, right? Um, yeah. So that's cool. I was gonna ask because, you know, you're an only child between your your blood parents right right and 
so, but you're also the oldest when you count all your siblings, correct? Right. Okay. So being the oldest, you have to be the one that shows the your other siblings the cool stuff, right? But 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 who shows you? So you had an older neighbor that that got you into kind of stuff that your parents didn't know about, right? And everybody needs that guy or everybody grow, grows up with that guy or sometimes you are that guy. Yeah. Right? So I had, Yeah. I'm sorry, go on. No, go ahead. No, go for it. No, um, for me, that was Mo. That was Mo, you know. Oh, right on. Growing up, yeah. Like, a lot of times, I would show him, I would, I was so into blowing his mind. But it was rare, you know. I can remember, he's going to hate me for this, but it is what it is. Um, (laughs) I can remember listening to music, like, um, something heavy. Oh, here's a great example. There's, There's tons and and he just has to swallow this one. Um, Iron Maiden, perfect example of just like, you have to hear this. And he was just like, what is this pussy shit? This power metal fag band, like I can't get into it. And I'm like, you're not, you're not giving it attention, right? He was really into like cradle filth, cannibal, six feet under type stuff. And he didn't want to, he wasn't really listening um, until he discovered it on his own, right? But I was just trying to blow his mind because... This was the guy that, you know, would show me stuff that, you know, I watched Friday because of this guy, right? Like, stuff like that. Oh, right on. Um, first time I ever smoked weed was this guy. He was, he was just, he peer pressured me into it, you know? But it took, it took months. And finally, at 12 years old, I was like, ah, you know, let me try it. And, but he was that guy for, for good or ill, you know, and so any chance that I could were, you know, I showed him Pulp Fiction for the first time. I was like, you got to watch this, right? I tried to blow his mind. And um, so growing up with him, he was like two years older than me. Not a whole lot, but it's it's, yeah. a, it's a whole lot when you're in elementary and he's in middle school. Or you're in middle school and he's Definitely. in high school, right? So you had that guy and it was Jacob. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, what I remember is what, listening to Manson. Hell yeah. Something that smells like uh, smells like children. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, being freaked out. Yeah. But but at the at the same time loving it to the point that I'm I I had to buy the cassette. Yeah. That same week, you know, I had to have it for myself. I was like, I I want to listen to this with my headphones, and and I remember I got it at the at the flea market. I found it. And it was so weird, you know, because it has remixes and stuff on there, which I didn't know at that point. Yeah. But uh, it, it was that, uh, Sepultura. I remember watching, he had the, the, Sepultura has this one tape, where I guess, uh, at that point it was the VHS, right? And uh, it had, like, animation to some of their music, and it's real trippy. And that always stuck with me. Listening to the Prodigy, mm. that that was like some of the some of the moments that stick out for me. You know, it, it was just stuff that I didn't get either from my dad or listening. You know, on the radio because you know I would kind of listen to the radio at that point too. And then if, if I didn't get it from them, I also had a cousin in San Antonio, uh, my cousin Danny, and he would show me stuff that I didn't know and he was listening to more like uh, like I, I guess 
he'd probably be my main influence for Metallica. Uh, Nirvana for sure, like a hundred percent. Like I, I think I got really into Nirvana because of him. Um, a couple, a couple other bands. Really, uh, uh, Pantera. I, the first time I heard the Great Southern Tranquil, I, I it was because I was I would look through his CD case, and I would look to see what uh, what CD looked interesting, you know. Yep. And that one has has a uh like a skeletal picture of a like a rattlesnake wrapped around yep and so i i popped it in and that's that was like my introduction to pantera don't you just wish you could go back and and hear something again for the first time with new years yeah you know there's there's something i was thinking i oh i think about it every now and then but it's it's like with everything. I mean, there's nothing like your first, you know, with everything. Yeah. It, but yeah, music and especially with music, it's like I'll tell you, I'll tell you one of the weird ones. Maybe maybe not weird, but kind of out there for me. One of the moments where I heard something for the first time and I'll never forget it, and that was the Spice Girls. And not not wannabe, right? Which was their first single, but say you'll be there. Oh yeah. And I I heard it up in Austin, right? Because it didn't actually hit the Valley radio till about three months after I heard it the first time in Austin. Wow. And it was Easter ninety ninety seven, and we were on the road, and I, you know the radio was kind of low, but I I could hear the melody, and I had I had my dad turn it up and. Um, it, it was just the harmonies, the instrumentation. I, I love that song. Say You'll Be There is a, a beautiful song. It's just uh, <laughs> that is so, the production. That's so beautiful that you're saying that. Um, I, I don't recall my first Spice Girls moment, but they're not ever talked about when it comes to their production, their melodies. Their, no one ever talks about them that way. Oh, and, so it was let me great pop, man. totally great pop. So why does why did Spice Girls work back then? Um, you know I think something it definitely was timing was perfect. I think that they came up right before uh, would it be right before maybe like the the big boy bands came back? I think so. The early 90s had their boy bands that kind of started like late 80s, went into the 90s, and then kind of died out. And then you had R&B groups that had like boy bandish, but there wasn't anything like that. Right. That, that I that I can really point out. You know, there was there was certain bands where it was all girls. Like I can remember Veruca Salt, but mm-hmm. not not pop like that. You know, and it was. It was the whole thing, you know, and I think maybe after I found out who they were, it kind of appealed to me too because of how I don't want to say gimmicky, but you know, each each of the each of the Spice Girls had their thing, and each of them could could sing their style, and and it was a beautiful blend. The music was straight pop, you know, but but I loved it. Who was your favorite Spice that, Girl then, and who who's your favorite Spice Girl now? Uh, then was posh 
Yeah, uh, kind of ginger too, but uh, now I don't know. I don't really. <laughs> I don't really have one now. When I go back, it's because I went back and I, I I heard Spice Girls. I don't remember why, and I was like, let me just deep dive and see what all this was about because I grew up with them, and it's like like sporty spice did all the heavy lifting and you didn't really appreciate that back in the day. Oh yeah. I mean, she, she killed it. She was the QB, but never really stole the spotlight, even though she had like the most killer pipes, you know? Definitely. And for some reason, couldn't, Uh, couldn't turn around and I mean, she had a few hits here and there, but she couldn't turn around and, and spin out a, a singles career. Maybe, maybe, maybe on some in some underground that I don't know, but I feel like she deserves much, much more praise and attention. Definitely, I mean, the, it worked as a collective, and I think individually, uh, you know, like the the one I remember, you know, automatically was Ginger. She had a she tried to come out with uh, an album, and her single was "Look at Me." Oh yeah, and. It it was okay, but it just it wasn't the same dynamic, you know. Yeah. Like you, there was just something about their group, you know, the the way that you could hear all five voices. You know, they had they had something something cool there, which again is just it's super random. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll bring it up because it, it was just one of those moments where. What is this? You know, yeah, which I ha- I've had that with different different groups. What's another one? Uh, oh, I'll tell you uh, the the one that that really I think changed everything for me was seventh grade. Actually, there was several in seventh grade. Mm. I got lucky. That was the that was the year I heard a ton of different metal, and that first was Emperor. Ooh. And then I heard In Flames and Whoa. At the Gates. Yeah, this was like 2000. Oh, you were ahead. You were ahead on all those bands. God damn. Yeah, 2001, somewhere around there. Is, and it was with another cousin of mine, Anthony. And uh, he showed me those. Him and his friend showed me those guys. But the one that really took me was that's when I got to listen to Opeth Blackwater Park album. And the song they played for me first was called The Drapery Falls. It's an 11-minute song, right? Which, at that point for me, there was only a handful of long songs that I'd ever listened to. So it was... I just remember laying there next to the stereo and just kind of being like, this is the same song? Yeah. It had all these different chapters of, of the songs, and that was the first time I'd really heard anything kind of like that. The, dra- it, the Drapery just, Falls, wow. The Drapery Falls, yeah. And had, they, it, had they had an album before it, that, or was that their first album? No, Blackwater Park is actually their fifth album, I think. Oh, shit. Yeah, and but it's the one it's the one that really changed it for them. They they really did, you know. Now that I mean, obviously, like I, they're one of my favorite bands. They're one of the one of the only tattoos I have is of their O on my leg, you know, because that's 
that's how huge it was to me. It was the chords that they used, the arrangement, the mixing of, uh, of acoustic pieces into metal and clean singing and then death metal growls. It was just a beautiful mix. And it still is. I can still listen to that song. I can listen to that song every day and, and never get tired of it. Wow. You know, and I've heard mm-hmm. it thousands of times. And, um, but yeah, it, it just like, it was another one of those times where that for sure changed the way I looked at music, which is, which is huge, you know, cause there's only, there's only several times in my life that it's ever happened. Has it this, you know, I don't want to skip the gun cause I'm still tracing like the Guillen footprints here, but, uh, has that yeah, right has that moment? I call it a holy moment, right? Where you're just like, it's it's a, it's that moment where in the in the movie of your life, Steven Spielberg zooms in slowly on your face, and the audience realizes like this is it, right? And we've if if you're lucky enough to have those as a child, like you're very blessed. Like kids nowadays, and I'm very, I'm trying not to sound like a like a get off my lawn type of curmudgeon, but you know, yeah. I, I have a 14 year old son and I'm, I'm, you know, helping sculpt his brain and everything. And, you know, me and Claire, after the tool show that we went to, we were like, yo, like low key, like kids are fucking pussies, man. Like, what do they, what do they got? Like back in our day when you went to go sulk, I mean, you put on a song and you fucking sulked like you the music was a portal right and now kids like they don't got that really like what i I, you know and i know probably generations before mine said that and generations before that whatever but truly because music is not because music is sort of like nebulous for them it's it's not special like for them it's water it's wi-fi it's just there in perpetuity but for us like when you got an album, you were like, this is my world. I'm going to steal this album. I'm going to find this. I got to make copies of this shit because I need to hold on to this. or Otherwise, I'll, I may lose it forever. Like, Opeth, let me write that down, right? Like, So I'll, yeah. put, a, I'll put a pin in that because that's a very special time in our cognition growing up. Just as people, let alone as I look at you as a musician, almost first, right? Like before I even think of you as like anything else, like a big brother or something. It's just, it's just the way I kind of met you and have grown up with you. But those sort of holy moments, have you had any, let's just say after high school or in the past, I would be specific and say five years? Um, that's tough to say. I, I don't, not definitely not in the last five years, I don't think. But it's it's different now, you know, because at that point, I was still, like, as, as a musician, I was still figuring out the way that everything's arranged, everything's put together. I was still learning my main instrument, which is obviously guitar. Um, so I was still studying, you know, I was still yeah. learning. And That's a good point. The things that I study now are more like... Uh, production-wise or uh, instrumentation, you know, and seeing, especially now that we have so much to go off of with, with software and plugins and, you know, the digital effects galore. There's so much you can do now 
especially like the the accessibility of being able to record audio, manipulate it, and make it whatever you want. It it just opens up a new portal. That at that point, for me, music was again. Uh, I mean, we had Napster at that point and stuff like that. You could find new music. That's the beginning of the, you know, the mass access to, to music that you'd never hear. But it was still kind of like a, I could still be in awe of music. And I, I mean, there's, there's moments where I'm still in awe, but not to that extent. And those holy moments, like you say, um, you know, the Beatles did that for me. Hearing Pink Floyd, The Wall. Yeah. And dark side in its entirety and then for a long time i didn't listen to uh welcome to the machine for or wish you were here excuse me sorry uh, i knew i had something wrong there mm. i didn't listen to wish you were here in its entirety until i think senior year of high school same and that blew me away yeah and that's because i had already heard dark side and i had already heard the wall but i never gave that album its full due until then, which I, that was probably the last time senior year of high school was probably the last time where I really had moments like that. To me, that's, and maybe I'm, and here's the thing, like I'm, I'm a very, Clara tells me like very romantic in terms of these sort of things. Um, maybe too romantic. Cause that sounds almost like a tragedy to me. Like I, I chase that high like a fiend, like a crack addict. I chase it. I had a, I had a holy moment. I was, um, must have been, I must have been love. Sorry, I think it was in October. <laughs> and uh, of last year, I was in Seattle. I was in Washington. And so, when, you know, I'm lucky that I get to travel and stuff and experience different waves. And that helps kind of get you out of a zone and then maybe open to something else. But I don't know what came on my radar on my Spotify. And I I I discovered lo-fi and just all these other oh, like okay. weird Japanese sort of acts that just basically it's like emo pop in a way. Like it, I don't know how to explain it. Um, but it's very synthy and wavy and, and moody and just like how I how you feel when you're 36 hours, no sleep at an, at an airport, just lonely. Like, it, I was like this, this right here. And uh, I I cherish that, you know, because sometimes I'm looking for it and sometimes it finds me. But you have to stay open to that. You know, I'll say, like, from high school. Oh, definitely. From high school, 2006, we graduated at the same time for the listeners. And from 2006 to 2015, not only did I not listen to new music, I basically didn't listen to music, and I wasn't searching for music. Um, I'm embarrassed to say. And kind of my Spice Girls moment <laughs> was, uh, what's it called? Um, Miley Cyrus's Wrecking Ball. And in, really? In, oh, yeah. In tandem with Sia's Chandelier, it was like around this era. Oh. I was like, wait a second. What's going on? Like, is pop music? Like, because I was a guy that I listened to just the same shit that I heard in high school. By in 2015, like I, if I was walking out the door, I had my Radiohead playlist, my Iron Maiden playlist, and I, or I was just listening to podcasts. Like I was not into music, and so I had no idea what was going on. 
And so I was like, if if this is what pop music is today, I'm in. Because if this is what like in the punk rock like sort of sense of like pop, eh, it's garbage, right? Um, but I'm like, <laughs> if 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 Wrecking Ball, if this is what we're calling garbage, holy fuck, I'm gonna go in. And so I went back in and caught up on a bunch of stuff, and I'm still catching up. So the past five years of my life have been like in love with music again, you know, like I. I just stopped listening to it and wondered why I was so upset all the time, you know. Um, and plus, there's so much, you know, like Louis C.K. has yeah, this they, joke where there's so there's so much porn on the Internet. They can stop making it and we still have enough forever, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's like that with music, I think. So anyways, that's a bit of a tangent. But I was curious about those holy moments because someone with your taste, like if you're having that in 2020, shit's got to be fucking really good for that to happen but it seems like it's more and more infrequent yeah i mean and, and again i think it, it comes back to when you're when you're growing up you have all these firsts and your new experiences and things like that uh i i think um i think sometimes first can also like with music can be part of your environment like you said you know um you're you know you're lucky enough to travel and sometimes if you find new music not you know when you're traveling mm -hmm. it also adds to the whole thing because i have had that but i wouldn't call it a holy moment mm -hmm. you know um but i think that uh at this point it's it's more like since i i it's hard to turn off and just listen to things sometimes. Yeah, I can I can understand that for sure, especially for someone like you when you hear it and you and you see all the strings, not just literally, but you know, you can you can deconstruct a sound or whatever. You know exactly what somebody's going for, so you're kind of scientific in your approach, I'd imagine. Right. And it's it's sometimes it it really sucks, you know, cuz like I have a friend of mine, John, who for a good minute, he would always be excited about showing me something new, right? And he, yeah, and I got to show you this. I got to show you this. All right. He's like, well, let's see if you, let's see if you don't, you know, deconstruct <laughs> it right away. Yeah. And he starts playing something. I go, okay, well, I hear elements of this band and this band together. And I always see what they were going, where they were going with that arrangement. And I could probably guess where they're going to go into the next part here, you know. And, and it, it kind of takes away from it, you know. Is I think maybe once or twice ever was there something he showed me where I was like, oh, I didn't expect that. Mm. So it, it's just it's just the way that my mind processes things for some reason. It like it, I find it really beautiful when when I listen to something and I'm not breaking it down. Like the latest thing I can think of was uh, the newest Tame Tame Impala. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't remember what track it was, but. There's a there's a little interlude in the middle of the song, and a synth a synth piece came out that was arpeggiated, you know, and and I was like, oh, I I've, I know I've used that sound before, I know I've come across it, I, I and then so I took myself out of the song, and I'm thinking, oh, which what software was I using or what plugin was I using, and then I, I just completely go away from the song, hmm. because I, I'm 
you know, I hear things and I'm, and I'm breaking it down and I wonder how he did that. Or I, I, I would have liked to have heard a different arrangement or it's, it's hard to turn off. Yeah, totally. It really is. Hmm. I know Tammy Paula is going to, going to come to Austin, uh, in the summer. I'm not super into it, but maybe I'll just go and just vibe it out and, and see, um, and let it affect me. Like I'm trying to become more open to letting experiences affect me as opposed to overthinking it. I don't know what happened to me. Uh, they're a whole vibe though. They're, they're cool. I bet, you know, I've heard, I've heard a few tracks that are just like, Oh, that's cool. But I, for some reason I have like one foot in one foot out and the foot that's out is like the cynical asshole in me that doesn't want to enjoy anything, but I can't trust that. I can't trust that guy. I can't trust that guy. But, um, Wow, man. You know, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't embarrass you and make your eyes roll and tell you that my first impression of you freshman year was like, oh, wow, I didn't know fully formed, fully realized, fully crystallized humans were all, you know, just walked around in, in, at, at my age, freshman year. I was like, oh, anything that I aspire to be like this person's that like a fully formed package and freshman, like my, what am I doing no, wrong? <laughs> what am I fucking doing wrong? Like I'm trying so hard. I'm still a try hard, but I'm trying so hard. And here's this guy. And it's not, it's not that it just came natural to you. It was, it's none of those. Like I already knew I was just like, Whoa, but this guy, he had to have been doing this for years to be such a talented guitarist. I was like, fuck. While everybody else is learning power chords, this guy has—he's just on another level. My first—that was my first impression of you, because we went to different middle schools, and so everybody congregated yeah. freshman year, right? And I—I I looked at everybody from AP Solis with the side eye, but then there was you, and I was like, these fuckers got him the whole time. They got to enjoy Guillen the entire time, and now uh, here he is, you know, and so. You were like the closest, and this is for the listeners, and I'm sorry for embarrassing you, but it is what it is. From my, no, you're good. From my um, looking glass, you know, you were like the closest thing to a celebrity in school. It was like you, I mean, I never really, oh, I feel so bad saying this because now here I am dropping a name, <laughs> but I, I won't say his name, even though I don't, I have no respect for him. But there's a there's a an aspiring rapper that went to our school who I think may still be trying to get put on. God bless him. I respect that. But even I I could tell he was like maybe I think he thought okay, it's Sean Mecca. I'm just going to say it, but I think he thought that he was way better than he ever was, but there was a humility to you that I really liked. You're like, I'm just going to do my thing. I think it, I'm here here it is. At that no, at that point, yeah, I think, I think he was on that on that kind of level. I, I definitely, um, Sean. Sean's got a lot of hustle, man. And he does. Like now, now I think you know he he does have that humility. But oh, okay. I mean, definitely coming up it was a, it was a different story, you know. Yeah, but and I also, think it also comes that, with the territory. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's part of that whole scene as well. Right. Yeah. I respect like, that. And, that and thing, when you and here's you the thing, whatever resent, whatever resentment I had, let me just say, put it out there because it's true. 
I'm, you know, and I'm older as well. Like I, it's just projected insecurity coming from me, you know, cause all these guys are just so confident, you know, and I had classes with this guy too. So I, I got to know him, um, with, you know, when he wasn't putting on the character, the, the gimmick or whatever, but, um, and he was an okay guy, yeah. but, um, yeah, just, it was just so insecure that these guys were so confident, you know, and I'm, I was just so inadequate and still am. So that was my first impression of you. And that, that light, I still see it when I hang out with you to this day, like a little kid still to this well, day, shit, man. I mean, that means a lot. Cause I mean, like, I mean, I appreciate any time that I can have a conversation with you because the way that you work, the way that I see it is, is kind of like an inspiration to me. And is it like I like I've told you multiple times, had I not had that conversation with you in twenty fifteen, I might not have ever put anything else out ever. That's you know you have to understand if with hearing that, um and I do not have a head about that at all, but it's just shocking. It's shocking. Like I don't I can't believe it. I can't participate in the act of believing that. Can you walk me through that? Like, let's let's kind of uh, yeah. Let's let's hammer that out. Um, and also, I just want to say that you know, it was always cool. Like, I f- totally felt that like you were part of the group, or that I was part of this group. Right, growing up in high school, like I was like, wow, I I you know like if Guillen's in the group, we're not losers. It's the way I felt. And, but, but we also, and that's cool. And it was high school, you know, we had some classes or whatever, but like there, there was, um, it was out of high school where I felt like we kind of really bonded. Right. And right. Definitely. So what's, let me ask you this. And I've never asked you this, um, with the pressure of, and I'm always so cringy about talking about high school cause I'm an yeah. old man at this point, And I'm sure you are too. Uh, cringy about it but what what's so what's going on in your brain like you know with the pressures of college and careers and all that shit that comes with every person you know transitioning from a senior to an 18 year old civilian in life that has to now contribute to something or grow or whatever like what was what was it supposed to be what you know what did it end up being what did you want it to be you know, and or did you take your eye off the the prize and focus on other things? And you know, just I had I have a I have uh-huh. a large uh, my large blind spot with with that for you, and I'm very curious about that. Yeah. Um, so senior year, senior year was the first year that I ever got in a, an actual band. I've only ever been in two formal bands besides our uh, freshman year. Uh, half band, or I don't know what you'd call it, Blue Hell. Yeah, I would call it a, a yeah, Blue Hell. Uh, a, 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 a nothing. I'd call it a nothing thing. I'd call it just a good memory, <laughs> a good memory, a good a concept, a good concept. Yeah, but I think the idea, and I know, I know this now, and I've talked to Dave about it. Um, that my vision was not like I did not, and I can't stress this enough. Like people that are 
that know how to compose music there's a you have very you have like alien brains and i knew always known that i'd never had it didn't have it don't have it um but i had the visions and i didn't know what filmmaking was yet and i didn't know that i wanted to do that yet because we were freshmen during that Mm -hmm. project but i knew that oh here's what i want the music videos to look like i was thinking that so i didn't care about melodies and hooks and like i didn't know i didn't have the vocabulary but i was like once we get once we have a song i know what to i know how to what the visual package is going to look like and that drove the shit out of me like i still have papers of like concepts that would that would never happen of music videos right i just didn't know what the language was i wasn't thinking i didn't know yeah but anyways uh so for me i always from my angle it looked at i looked at that as like an alibi to get to the visuals, the visual part, you know, um, for sure. But I see. So during, yeah. Anyways, just for there, it is. <laughs> well, that, that makes sense. I mean, it's kind of like the uh, like a quick outlet to get to that point. Yeah. So that makes a lot of that's sense. What, to that's what that's what I mean, always like... brought to the table was just that. Like yeah, that's what the backyard wrestling was. Like I enjoyed it, but I never wanted to do it if we weren't going to film it. I wanted something to record. I yeah. wanted something to edit. I wanted something to cut to music to. Like it wasn't, I wasn't going to do it if we weren't going to film it. You know <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So anyways. Yeah. Well, so that, that year, that, I mean, honestly, looking future wise, I really didn't have a direction. Um, my dad always kind of said, well, if you're going to go to school, sure. Set yourself up for school. If you're not just work and work on your music. You know, he, he didn't, neither one of my parents really pushed me into um, doing anything. And it it helped in a way that I was able to just kind of be free about it. But at the same time, it also kind of hindered me because I didn't, I needed a little bit of direction. Hmm. And so I kind of was back and forth with whether I wanted to go to school. And, and at that point, I think I wanted to, proceed doing music education but at the same time i also didn't want to because it just seemed still foreign to me like in a in a formal setting that that year i got in my first band which was the forsaken divinity and you know i met you know one of my great friends that um still work with here and there to this day, uh, which is Lee, who uh, now works with his brother Abel with their band Ruin Cross. And, you know, meeting him was a big thing too because that, that opened my eyes to a lot of music. And so I felt like, okay, now I'm in a band and maybe I can do something with that. And uh, it didn't really go, it didn't go anywhere. We had a lot of practices. We played one show, and, and that was all I did with them. But I thought it still gave me, uh, like, hope that, okay, maybe I can do something with this. Maybe I can actually be in a band. And, you know, there was a goal back then of getting signed and touring and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That was that was the goal. You know, if it wasn't going to be school, then it was going to be being a signed artist and touring meeting people and stuff like that that was 
that was kind of where I was. But at the same time, senior year was pretty um, kind of a heavy year, honestly, for me. Like going back and forth with uh, kind of, you know, that fear of what comes next and whether it was going to work out or not. And and then I ended up I ended up joining a second band, which was Dog Mahalo. And that that's the last band that I've actually been in. Wow. And, when, did, uh, when did you when did you uh, go your go your separate way? What year was that? So with Dog Mahalo? Yes, sir. That okay. So I was in that band actually twice. From the first time was 2006 to 2007. And I'll tell you what, actually, um, one of those holy moments that I'll, I'll say was actually meeting the guitarist of that band, which was pretty much the founder of that band, Dog Mahalo, which is Louie. Really? Um, yeah, because his approach his approach to guitar came from his background of playing cello, or playing an orchestra. And so... His, his one of his favorite bands was also Opeth, you know, and it was kind of the first time that I'd really met someone, another guitarist who held Opeth to that same, you know, esteem and took that into his writing. Mm. And at that point, I was barely getting into writing for myself. I, I'd only written, you know, like maybe five songs, but they were structured to be something to to be like crowd-pleasing songs it wasn't anything heavy or it was heavy but it wasn't anything technical at least i saw it as not technical hmm. um there's there's a there's a few uh handful of people who've actually heard those songs and uh some of them are cool but anyway that that i will say is um meeting him definitely also took my approach to writing like oh you know what it's it's not unattainable it's it is something that you can do and put in a song together, um, and and meeting him definitely also heightened my playing because there were certain there were certain things that his or certain approaches that he would take to the guitar when we would be writing trying to write riffs. And he, he, if he had something new, he would show it to me. And I, I can remember one instance where he said, I, I originally played it one way. He goes, but that felt too easy, so I changed it around and I reversed it to make it hard on myself. Hmm. So it was almost like, and I had never thought about that. You know, I never took that approach to, oh, if it's easy to play and it sounds good, okay, I'm good. Hmm. But his his concept of actually taking the natural and then making it hard to almost kind of to advance yourself and to make it something cool to see, you know, and, and something that's not usual that, that definitely, that approach was, was foreign to me. And, and I always, I always remember that and I always keep that with me because that, that was kind of huge. Yeah. I've always thought that went, about you, you know, was, I always, I just didn't know if it was a, the egg, you know, an egg or a chicken situation of what came first. But it sounds like he had an impact on you, and that's where that comes from. But yeah, I've always seen you as that guy that's like, yeah, no, we could go that way, 
But how, you know, but that way is basic. Let's go, you know, go this way. It's more compelling. It's challenging. And so my little plebe brain is like, why, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to make it challenging? That just sounds like more work, you know, but I can, I totally see in a holistic sense how that approach is challenging and stimulating for sure. And I, I think I had, I, I would take that route sometimes. Uh, one thing I do go back to is, um, I want to say it was our junior year. Kerry King of Slayer went to uh, McAllen to Melhart's and he had this, like a clinic where he was having people come up to the stage, oh, wow. play a Slayer riff, and then he would correct the riff and say, okay, you almost got it, but it's actually played like this. And then he'd show everybody how that riff was played. So I got to go up, and I chose uh, Raining Blood because I wanted to play what's known as the spider riff. It's a... It's just, you know, it looks crazy, and it's... I guess for some people, it's it's like a confusing riff, but it's actually just flailing on your fingers. And um, so I go up there, and I play this one riff, and, you know, through... Through the different guitarists, he, he, okay, you almost got it, you almost got it. And I go up there, and then he goes, uh, he goes, I don't know what you just did. Um, you put you put two guitar parts together, and you're playing it as one. Mm. He's like, I only play it like this. So he he played like half the riff. Whoa. And uh, so that was kind of like, especially at that time. Are you fucking you know, kidding where I me? I don't think I don't think I ever knew that. I mean, now I know what that means. Maybe you said it in the day, and I was like, "Huh?" But now I know what that actually means. And that, what do you think about that? I don't know. It was kind of cool, man. I, it, it was. It was. <laughs> wow. It was a little weird, though. Mm, what did it? You know, be, because mm. at that point, you know, I looked at Slayer like these guys are like they're like metal gods. You know, like everybody that's in. And these huge bands are metal gods. And then I play something, and then he's telling me, "Well, you, you, you're playing double of what we play." Wow. So, so it it kind of messed with me, kind of like, okay, well, maybe I should just continue playing guitar, and almost like a validation, I guess. For sure. Yeah, that's part of every artist's journey is meeting a maker. I'm sorry, meeting a master that sort of validates them and says, "Yeah, you're." It's like a, how do you know when you go from amateur to pro? How do you really know? For some people, it's a college degree, right? But for you at 16, getting that, like, holy fuck. And so, not to be selfish, you know, but just to kind of, you and me are both privileged in our own ways, you know? And so, my personality type to combat my manic depression, or maybe it's like, part of the depression like you know the the highs and the lows i think this is the highs talking when i was 16 that's when i realized that i've always said it's when i activated right like the born identity like mm-hmm. some, something in me that was like t- it turned on when i was it, it was always in there dormant and when i was 16 i saw kill bill and in the first 40 seconds of that movie i was like oh that's what i am so I'm 16 and I have that moment. Huh. And, and then basically you're 16, 17. 
and you go on stage with Carrie King in public and kind of blow his mind and kind of one up yeah. him at his own fucking game that he created at 16, 16, 17. Like, so just to kind of illustrate and to this day now, like as a 32 year old with kids, I try to maximize my privilege. I try to pay shit forward and, you know, and not make it all about me. And sometimes it hurts myself, but I try to do that. Not for humility or karma points, but just because it's it's not ever supposed to be about me. It never was. Like, I'm a behind-the-camera guy, you know? Not right. the in front. It's never supposed to be about... It's never supposed to be the Knives Monroe show. And so... But it does blow my mind that, you know... So I try to maximize my privilege now. Because now I have something to... Now I have something, but it's taken this long. But at 16, Mr. Adam Guillen, you got skills, man. You had crazy, crazy, crazy skills. And I, I know you know it, and you're very humble about it, too. But at 16, this is why, like, for me, like, and I, everybody, I'm speaking for everybody that ever knew you um, and, 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 and had the privilege of, of seeing you wail on guitar in front of them. You were just a different fucking alien, man. And here's the thing, in my opinion, and once again, this could be the romantic side of things. The I don't want to I don't want to say the idealist, you know, because I I'm a realist enough to know that Earth is gonna fuck you. It's just part of it. Dr. Dre got fucked. Everybody, like the best of the best of the best, they get fucked. It's just part of it. Can you take the bullets? And keep going. That's the that's the difference. Um, and so for me, it was like Guillen is destined. He's one of those. I don't got that, but he's one of those. And so he can be this shooting star that goes wherever he wants with this skill, with that talent that everybody prays and hopes for and works so hard to attain. If I had started guitar freshman year, I wouldn't be where you're at right now. Like I. I mean, how many people tried it and and failed? Everybody. Maybe there's one or two, maybe. But the, even then, they're not at your level. So for me, like, it's, I really feel like, you know, like in golf, I don't play golf, but if you're trying yeah. to hit a hole in one and you miss by 30 feet, well, really, you miss by like one millimeter when you hit the ball. You didn't miss by 30 feet. You missed by one millimeter. So you just need to do something different just a little bit. And it changes the trajectory to go to get that hole in one. And it's the same thing with art and life. Like sometimes you think you're way off the mark, but you're really just a millimeter away or like another at bat, another opportunity, another whatever, you know, another rep away from something, you know? So I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry for going on a rampage, but. Hearing that is is just amazing. Like, how many people get to do that? That's honestly, and people need to know, for those that aren't metalheads, I mean, first of all, shame on you, but this <laughs> this particular guitarist, some people would put this guy on the heavy metal guitarist Mount Rushmore. So I'll just leave it at that, you know? Um, but that's like going up to Eminem and being like, well, here's how I do rap God. And he's just like, Oh, you did it. Well, technically, you did it at 1.5 speed. I do it slower than that. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I didn't really think about that. It's basically that. That's pretty wild. It is wild. Jesus Christ. So, you know. I guess it's hard for me to see it. You know, looking at it in that light, I guess that is pretty wild. Yeah. It was a cool moment for sure. That was half Um, your life ago. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Pretty nuts. So it's it's been not, um, you know I'm right I'm taking some notes down it's what I do when we do these mobile shows because I wanted to have a backbone and it does but you know there's a loose end that I I distracted you with and I'm sorry for that I get excited but oh no so your first tenure with Dog Mahalo 06 to 07 what was and then how did you how did you hang up those boots on your second and last tenure well the first time around I mean, 2007, kind of a bummer, man, because um, the reality was everybody in the band was, I mean, everybody was great. Everybody had some kind of musical training. Every single one of us listened to all different types of music, and those different influences would come through. In, in every song. And when I first joined the band, I was only adding in my parts. We played four songs and I added in my parts. And little by little, as I, I, you know, was getting acquainted, I started writing more. And, um, you know, I would write maybe a quarter of the riffs. And then it was like a half and half thing. And then at that point, I was still very much feeling like I needed to to jump back into school. You know, I, I needed to have something to fall back on. So we were, we were gaining a lot of traction at that point. The last show I played that first round with Dog Mahalo was in Austin and we played our set and I thought it went great. And then really at that point, if we had fully committed with that lineup, I think we probably could have gone and, you know, like, I think if we would have recorded at that point and tried to put out all the music, it, it definitely would have gotten noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. everybody at that point had kind of other things going on. And and so we ended up just, I, I left with the whole thing that I was going to go to school and I wanted to put my full focus on that. And um, then the bassist left. And then Dog Mahalo went on with, you know, different instances, different members. At one point, I think they stopped playing. And then in 2009, I went back with Dog Mahalo, and and we had the intention of of making shorter songs, more shorter songs, and something that really hit. You know, making the riffs have a point. You know, because it was it, where we were writing in 2007 was still really progressive extreme metal but it had mellow parts you know because we're all obviously inspired by a lot of bands who had that mix of mellow and metal and heavy but not afraid to delve into ambient sounds and things like that and then in 2009 it was it was focused it was we're going to have short hard-hitting songs something fun but still metal and still not not cookie cutter metal, 
basically. Right. And we had a good thing going. And then it, it fell apart again. And I, in 2009, I really don't remember why. It was probably because that's when I actually went back to school. So I was probably on that whole mindset again for myself. But I, I know that it, it, it ended up taking on new members again uh, shortly after that. And so did you ever finish, that was pretty much it. Did you ever finish school? No, man, I did and I I I went for a year in Brownsville studying music education, but you just um I wasn't focused enough. I mean the the music side of everything was easy. I got it. I didn't I didn't even have to study a lot in mean, most of what we learned. Uh, I would learn in uh in the class study and I would review it and I was fine, but I, I didn't take enough time to really, I was going for, for voice training or for vocal education. And I, I didn't take enough time to really give my effort. Um, at that point I was just kind of, um, I was okay being there and that was it, yeah. you know? And, um, and then I, I went and I did another year in, in, uh, Westlaco and that was it. I, I never went back to school. So from 2010 uh, to 2020, what have you been doing? So since I didn't go back, what I ended up doing was, um, well, I, I worked different spots, you know, I, in 2012, so, okay, let me go back. I, I started getting ahead of myself. So in 2010, I had started finishing up some songs that I had been writing. And I, I did my first set of, of what was like a sample EP with four tracks. Produ but I didn't put it out. Produced and performed entirely by yourself? Right, right. At that point, I'll tell you, at that point... I was I program at that point I'm programming my drums and then even programming my bass at that point recording my guitars and recording my vocals programming my synths and everything cuz I didn't even have a MIDI keyboard to actually play notes or nothing I I had to program every single thing that was in my music that wasn't guitar or vocals oof and and Genius. then at that point I was also using an old computer and this is how heavy it was trying to even make a track. So I would have to, so when you're recording, let's say I'm doing a guitar, I have my track where I can record the guitar sound, the signal. And then on that track, I have to input if I want EQ on there, if I want a distortion on there or a delay, you know, and sometimes they have things where you can do all in one. Well, my computer was so slow that I couldn't, actually play the sound with everything on there on even just one track. Jesus. So I had to do everything individually, listen to it, guess what I had to do in the, you know, EQ settings and distortion wise, and then render each individual file, audio file. 
and then put it all together and hope that it sounded okay. Hope. Cross your fingers and then hope. <laughs> yeah, and then if not, go back and do the same thing over, and which was tedious. But it was it was also really good because it got me to to learn process, to really fine tune. Even, even though I, I don't think I'm very great at at a production, I still learned a lot, uh, and I've still learned so much studying and reading and watching videos and any little any little bit that I can get. There's someone's take on on how they do a certain. Um, how they how they use certain software, how they use their EQs or compressions, I'll watch, and I I've, I'll never stop learning. But at that point, I was like, okay, I gotta I gotta record proper. So luckily, my friend Eastai, he built a computer that could actually handle everything, you know, all the processing and things like that. So in 2012, I finally decided, okay, I have enough songs, I'm gonna put an album out. And that was my first release, which was Eclipse, mm. that I put out in June of 2012. Wow. Which was, it was years in the making, pretty much. Wow. That's, that's crazy. Okay, cool. I never knew the story behind that, nor did I know that it took that long. See, this is also how ignorant I am to the process. Like, I remember... Say, I think I've told you this before, like say you hear Yesterday by the Beatles. When you hear it, you assume that, yeah, he just picked the guitar and then recorded it. That's it. You know, you just think it's that easy, you know, um, until you realize that, no, th that it probably took months to really build and record that and to make that perfect and to put it down. And the version you, he you hear is, you know, a composite of eight different versions or maybe more, right? Maybe not with yesterday. Right. I used to think it was, yeah, you just went in and it came out, right? Um, and that's a testament to musicians who leave no flaws or air bubbles in their work that just make it look that easier. It's the same thing with movies. Like, it's not just they just point the camera. Like, literally, they start with black, just this black room, and then you got to light different sources and build a wardrobe and there's so much work i mean it takes a team of hundreds of people to make a real good movie it's the same thing with albums so yeah I, by then i mean i was i didn't i had no idea how long that process took you how was the um how was putting it out there how was the feedback i mean how do you know if it was a success in your eyes well so to me it's always like putting out music has always been Mostly, yeah. It's always been that I, I make something because I there's nothing that's out that is like it, you know. Or like um, if I hear something that I want to hear and I can't find a band, a band that's already made a song like that, then I got to put it out. I got to record it. I got to make it. Yeah. That album is actually the one that pretty much anybody ever talks about. So I've done other things, but it it was the one that I when I put it out, it, it made its way on the on the pirate sites, mm. and I've I found different websites that talk about it, and uh, well, especially back then I was you know real curious. Uh, does anybody like it? Does anybody like it? Is 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 anybody gonna download it? You know I didn't care how it got out, 
you know, at that point. So I put it up on my band camp and, um, you know, my musician friends, they'll, you know, talk about it. I, I met a, I met another musician maybe about a month back or two months back. And, and he tells me, you're Guillen. Yeah. He goes, Oh, okay. Well, Joe Dan showed me your album, the one with the world on it. Oh, okay. Eclipse. Yeah. He goes, yeah, man. It's, it's, you know, and he, he dug it. Right. So at this point, it's already been like eight years. I hardly listen to it like at all. There's uh, a couple riffs that I, you know, still play off from there here and then. But, um, the fact that people still like it now, I guess is kind of cool. Yeah. That's a good thing. I mean, I would probably repackage it today and kind of re-debut it, you know, um, on Spotify or something. It'll be new to so many new people. Yeah, and that's another thing too is is I've I've used Bandcamp as my my outlet to put my music, but really it's it's kind of um, to be fair, this was before like, Spotify, so totally. Yeah, the streaming services definitely weren't as big as they are now. For yeah. sure. I mean, n now it's it's like you, you need to be on those streaming services. And I, because I mean, that's where I listen to all my music. Unless I see a, a local band or something that links to a, to a band camp or, or something else. You know, other than that, I'm listening on my, on my Apple Music. So, I mean, I definitely want to put all my music out, I think, on like Spotify for sure everybody's on there, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, dude, I, I, I went all in on the, on this podcast on Spotify, even, even above Apple, Apple podcasts. You know, I, I basically only hype up Spotify. Um, but I also built a playlist of, of every podcast I've ever made. And so I feed that playlist, right? So it's just like trying to squeeze as much juice out of this lemon, as possible just so if people search for it they can find it in a package that works for them it's always been about about that and i think filmmaker brain has helped me understand the packaging of something and where it's supposed to go because yeah. it's all a presentation you know and so what what is the uh, i learned this when i screened my first movie in a theater and I was like, oh, wow, like, it's all about this. Had I had this in mind when I was making it, this could have been an even better experience, right? I wasn't, because, you know, at the time, I was just trying to make a good script, or I was trying to, you know, just cast somebody. And there's so many different um, micro successes that you're trying to reach towards that when I was so yeah. burnt out that when I finally got to the premiere, like, I was checked out, man. Like, I... I was just checked out, but I did, I did learn like, oh, you know, the fact that I put trailers before this movie, none of those movies ever came out, but that, that really helped congeal this sort of conceit that, oh, we're watching a real movie. People bought into it, you know? And so the presentation of something, you got to be able to get it to the people. Like, how are they going to watch it? They're going to see it on an iPad. How are they going to hear it? You know? It's no longer about making cassette tapes and stuff like that. And for music, I'm probably not the the coolest, smartest, hippest person to talk to about that. Uh, once again, I'm a visual guy, so once you got music videos, I mean, I think I know how the how to roll that out. But um, yeah, or whatever visual 
accompaniment that this is going to have or whatever. But, um, yeah, I would definitely put that on, you know, and also you can upload wave. And so it's going to sound good on Spotify forever. That way it's there, right? Like I'm always scared about, you know, going back to my first movie. Like I don't have the raw files. I don't have the other takes. Right. That shit is gone. And I made the conscious decision to delete it for hard drive space. Like I was like, I don't want to hold on to this. What am I going to do? Remake my movie? Well, fuck, you know, if I ever lose the, say YouTube gets shut down. And if I ever lose my, my movie file, that movie's gone. It never existed. Yeah, That's scary to me. And that comes in, that comes with reps, right? Like now I would do that different. Now there's a cloud. Thank God. But Hey, that's not forever. Right. So shit, put, put a clip. I don't trust the cloud, man. Put a, <laughs> same, put a clips on vinyl. Just to have it, because you never know. That would be beautiful. You can do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I just, you know, okay, so so going back to, I put out Eclipse in 2012. From then on, I, I wrote pieces, but I never put anything together until 2015, which is, that album's way of the future. Mm-hmm. And, um... It's almost as long as Eclipse is, but it has less songs. And I, I wasn't going to put it out because it, it just, I didn't think it held to the same as Eclipse. It was definitely a different set of songs. And I felt like I had to stay, uh, if I'm going to put out something with Guillen, it has to stay in the extreme metal category. It can't just be metal or, you know, um, more straightforward than I guess the technical side of metal was and, and that's when I talked to you and you told me about the movie and how you didn't even have, you know, the, the raw files of your movie. Mm-hmm. And you said, I, fuck it. I got a million more. That's right. Yeah. Why am I going to yeah. focus yeah. on <laughs> this one that I don't have? Yeah. I got a million more. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, shit, like, it's true. Like put it out. And that's, and that's still been your, you know, that's still been your advice. Just put mm-hmm. it out. Mm-hmm. Put content out. Someone wants to listen to it. Someone's going to watch it. Who cares? Yeah. And it, I, it's hard to turn that off. It's hard to turn off the, I guess, like the worry. As every artist, any any type of artist, whether it's film or music or physical art or digital art, poetry, I mean, whatever, anything that you're putting out, it's 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 personal, you know, because you created it and it's, it's hard to turn off that anxiousness, you know, that is, is anybody going to like it in my, why, why am I sharing this? Yeah. If no one cares, you know, like obviously you're doing it for yourself. Mostly, you know, of course. a true artist, you know, who can say what a true artist is, but when you you know when you're passionate about what you're doing, it's something you care about, and then putting it out there for everyone to see or to hear or enjoy, it's it's hard to like turn that off. But but you do definitely say you know just put it out. Who cares? And because the truth is, you you can never know what someone's gonna like. You don't know what's gonna hit at what time or that's right. Who's gonna enjoy it? Who's gonna listen to it? Who's gonna watch it? You'd never know. You can never guess. And also, you you don't know how many days you have on the planet as well. Like, something could have happened, and you could have lost your 
you could have had a stroke or I don't know something. And now you can't play music anymore. Right. With your hands. Like I think about that very, I mean, like it's very real to me. Uh, and it sucks. Like it scares me. Like it adds a sense of urgency. Like I've always had that sense of urgency and I don't know why. Like I think it's part of whatever trauma that's in me to just be like, if I don't do this now, I never will. Like, I really believe that the day that fire like dies in me, I think I'm done. Like I, I, I can't, I'm not super worried about that fire dying. I don't see it dying, but that really quote unquote motivates me to, to get something out. It's just, I mean, I don't know how much time I have. I can die. I need to do it now. I need to say this. I need to, I need to call this person and tell them I love them right now right or whatever um that kind of urgency is very real to me there's so many people that just think they have infinite tomorrows infinite yeah that's true i don't i don't feel that that lucky or something i mean i don't know who knows i mean we all got a time right we don't know when it's going to be but it's never when you want it right (laughs) so i don't know like (laughs) yeah i I think about, and I struggle with this too, as a guy that I'm not as prolific as I want to be by any means. Like I was pretty busy from 2016, 17. I felt pretty busy, uh, creative content wise. And then I don't think anybody heard from me like 2018, 2019 really until I got this new job. And then now I feel like I can play my music my way now. And, yeah. and I've been trying to do that and I'm still experimenting like I'm my own guinea pig in a lot of ways. And so I, I also struggle with not overthinking, but it's way easier to not overthink when you're with other people and other creatives. Because then it's about 100%. Then it's like not in a cocky way. I don't feel this way, but like, you know, example, like when we were building Cultosaur episodes, it wasn't like. Well, I hope I hope Mark likes my script. I hope he uses my, my idea. Like it wasn't like that. It was just like I felt like we all knew the funniest thing that made each other pop was gonna be the thing. And we had improvised this sketch, if you want to call it, where Nugget didn't have any fingers. We just improvised that, like at an audition. <clears throat> and it made us laugh so much that Mark went out and wrote it. And it became the first sketch in the first episode you know, of the yeah. show. And it was just fun, like wherever it came from. But it wouldn't have came from anywhere if we were just stuck at home overthinking this. There's something about getting out of the house and being with other creatives. Ain't nobody really second guessing in that in that in that world, you know? It's just about what's the best riff? What's the thing that makes us move? There it is. Now put a beat to that. Great. There it is. And now let's here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm feeling or whatever. Like that what do they call it? Um, jamming, right? Like, uh, I live for that. Like, I feel like that's where I take flight. That's where I can sail, you know? Um, but I go crazy, like home by myself, um, with a phone or a camera, like all this fancy equipment, just, just to film me. Fuck that. Like, I don't give a fuck about that. Like, I ain't trying to get a, a, two thousand dollar lens to film me like i I, it's not what i'm about you know and one of the reasons why 
I fell in and fell in love with podcasts is I can do it every day. And if I got nothing, wherever I am, I have an internet connection, cellular or otherwise, and I have my phone, I can make a podcast. Like, I can't tell you how many I've made two minutes to midnight to, to, to meet my goal, you know, that's a one minute, yeah. like, ah, here I am, bah! and that's, I don't care, you know, and some days they're like this, they're robust, they're grandiose, like this is a, this is an epic sparring fight with one of my most beloved friends that's a creator as well, and, and, and I live for this, like, before this phone call, we have this kind of like little, we have this, we have these stairs in our house and underneath the stairs is a little tiny room that's like made for a dog. It's like a dog house, but my daughter likes to chill out there. I was asleep in there before this interview or talk or whatever, before this podcast, like I was, and everybody was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I just wanted to get away and like get away from everybody. I needed to recharge I was, but that's, I'm always in a perpetual sadness, like in a, just a cocoon like state. I just want to pupate and get out and turn into this beautiful butterfly. I just want to be a butterfly, but I'm always uh, regulated to being in this cocoon. And I hate that. Like, that's like a ball and chain for a creative. And I don't have anybody else to blame. I told you this, you know, the other Here day. Yeah. I, I moved away from my friends for more opportunities. So it's my, it's my fault, right? You got to take the good and the bad. It is what it is. But, um, so here we are now to the present and I don't want to put you on blast and I'm sorry. And I'll, I'll cut this out if you don't like <laughs> it and whatever, but you had posted out there that, Hey, I'm thinking about going back to the oil rigs, you know, anybody have yeah. any recommendations? And from what I understand, I never did it. And I know you've done it before, because uh, you're an actual man, unlike me. Um, <laughs> dude, when I build a resume, it's like Burger King, McDonald's, Walmart. Like, it's really embarrassing. But um, it's just all, I mean, I went all fucking in on this. On this. Um, yeah. But I've also been homeless, and I've also, you know, gone four days without eating, and I stumble across a bucket of popcorn, and that's what I ate that day. Like, you know, it's whatever. I'm not saying it's smart. It's sad. Anyways, uh, so when I saw that <laughs> post, I was like, hey, there's no shame in that. Go do that. Go make some money. But flash forward two years from now, like, you're going to be in this spot again. You're going to be right here saying, like, what do I want to do? You know, you can't sustain that. You could make six figures, but then you're going to spend that money, right? Like, that's all cool. What is something meaningful that you want to do that you find worth your time? What is something that that's, like, of worth to you? Because, like, it's got to start with that, right? Something that's fun that you want to do that you could do every day. Like, what is what does that look like, first of all? I'm curious. And then you can talk about – you can figure out the money part. But uh, yeah. what's the thing that, that fires you up that would help you get out of the house, baby? You know, uh, well, so the other day, right, I reached out to you about how you work, right, and about being around creatives because I think that I, I feel like I'm at my best whenever I have someone around. It doesn't even have to be someone that's creative. Mm. But I, I feel like in the last couple months, First of all, in this in 2020, I've played more music and been writing more than I did in, in just in the first two months all of last year. Whoa! Like last year, 
I I wrote a I wrote a song for my at that time girlfriend, um, and then I wrote I recorded a cover and maybe one other thing, but I, I didn't put I don't think anything out. Uh, and, and purposely did that. And, you, and how do you feel it, about it, that? Do you feel okay with that? I'm okay with it because it, it, it sounds terrible, and, and a lot of times I know that I, I kind of take I, – I, I, to get to the point where I am now, right, where if I want to write something, I can write it, and I have the arrangement in my head. I can play with instrumentation, and it may not be the greatest recording, but I will get my idea out. I can. Well, just like when, when you when you ask me to to work on anything for you, I, I love that, right? Because it, it gives me something. It gives me a goal. Yeah. And it, you know something specific. It's a challenge for me. It's always quality. I appreciate that. It's true. And and it it, it gets me. It gets me to challenge myself. How quick can I do it? You know? And and it be good. And it, Or is it going to be something I struggle with? And it never is. It's, the the thing that I hold holds me back at any point is overthinking. Yes. Uh, other than that, I sit down. I pick up, like I said, with, with the intro. I sat down. I played with the bass for about 20 minutes. I found the riff. I recorded it. First take, maybe second take, picked up the guitar, found what I was going to do, picked out my sounds. I had two sounds for you to, to choose from, pretty much, and I knew where I was going. Last year, I just decided that I was going to take myself away from it completely to see how I felt. You know, because I've, I've done that in years certain years where I don't play very much guitar and uh, when I come back to it I just kind of feel refreshed I remember you know why I fell in love with playing guitar and that's kind of where I'm at right now is because um, I've been playing since I was eight you know and not that I've done a single thing of, of merit that I feel but I've been playing to the point where Sometimes I get cynical about it, and maybe it's also because I don't put enough out, or I haven't before, and uh, so I just I just kind of feel like like last year for definitely I just wasn't in the right mindset to even want to write anything. I had a lot to say, and I just I just still didn't want to write. I just felt like uh, very cynical. I'm like, what was the point? It was a terrible way to, to think, but I've gotten out of that, and I've been writing a lot more now. Um, now it's more about, like you said, presentation. That's that's an afterthought for me, mm. and it's kind of one of the thing, one of the things that hinders me. Um, the only time I've ever thought about that was uh, I know I've kind of gone off a ta- on a tangent. I like. I it. got away from your initial question. No, I like it. I like it. But the only time I ever thought of presentation was the last full album that I put out, which was Into the Void in at the end of 2016. And 
when I was when I was finishing it up, I started one of the songs that I had done. I put it out as like a like a single release, mm-hmm. and then I I made a just a still frame YouTube video for it, so that I can put it out on that end also and link that. And I, I was making Instagram clips for it that you know I had never done anything like that. Right. It was super basic. I don't know how to use Photoshop. I use a a freeware thing called Inkscape, and it's like a like a freeware Photoshop, I guess. I, I figure out what to do here and there just by searching little shortcuts and things like that and playing with it the same way I did with software initially for recording. And um, that actually, that helped a lot. I, I That was the first time I saw, okay, if I actually think of the presentation, if I hype it before it comes out, if, if I do everything that everybody does on releases, like official professional releases, it, it builds that hype. It gets people interested and gets people listening. Yeah, but that's the only time I've ever really done it. So I think anything that I put out now, I want to do that same type of presentation. I think I, I you know, I, I didn't used to be this way, but you know, you just like you, you put stuff out there. You know, with my first movie, I sold out a theater, and I didn't do like a lot of like I went to people's houses. Like I look back, like I was a politician about it. Like I called people, I made people go. But the second movie that I made, I just assumed everybody was going to show up, and I didn't sell it as hard, and we didn't even pack it like half the amount. And that's when I learned, oh fuck, like you can't rest on those laurels. Like you have to, you have to go through those mo- motions and hit all those bells every single time. You have to. By the time we did like Dogma, Dogma Fifteen, um, or the third movie, and then you did the music for, which was so cool. Like I just played the whole track. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Uh, and it's in twice. You hear it two times. Anyways, uh, I, we, we were much more thoughtful about, okay, how are we going to do this? You know? So we called the newspapers. Like we did the, all the bullshit you're supposed to do. Like same thing, you know, we had more people, a part of it. So presumably if everybody, it's like kind of like a show, like if everybody brings a person, right? Like that. Right. Um, and so now that I do a bunch of, quasi documentary stuff like i make videos all the time for my work and everything i've learned like i start with the presentation first and i don't know how like somebody like i don't like taylor swift i don't like her music i respect her for the workhorse that she is all that but obviously she has a team i have to assume of like maybe a dozen or more people that bring her in and she kind of picks out idea like i don't know i don't know how it works but um you know, you have to start with a presentation or like a silhouette first and then know here's what we're going to do. Here's the vibe, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like they say, like when you're writing a book, you're selling it a year before it comes out, like, you know, uh, before you drop it. And so I've learned through a lot of failure and reps, like to start with a presentation first, like with a movie. Um, the reason why I haven't made a movie in five years, an actual feature film, is because I can't find a presentation that excites me enough to do all the tedious back right. work that I would have to do by myself and to pay for it, you know, like to pay a cheap movie today would be five grand. Like that's a cheap movie and I could pull it off, but the presentation, like I need to know what the, 
the Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, whatever. I need to know what that experience is to to know how to hack the culture to get their attention. So when I drop it, it can impact at the highest velocity. That's the idea, right? With no money to spend on advertising, right? So it sounds real slutty and it sounds real markety and all that, but like you have to, you eventually learn that. Like you have to learn it with like getting with all those reps. If I had stayed in my head and yeah. was still overthinking her doppelganger, my first movie, and Dave and I were trying to perfect the first draft, like we would have, you know, I wouldn't be talking to you right now in this way. You know, it's the same thing with my podcast. Like in 20, kind of like you, in 2018, I did two episodes, maybe three. 2019, I did like seven or eight. I ramped it up like the last couple of months, but I didn't really upload. I was, I was so inconsistent. I was like one a month. Now I'm doing one a day. You know, like that's just, that's the presentation of this show is he does it daily. Now it's like a journal-y sort of road diary thing. That's the conceit. And as soon as, great, I, as soon as I, I know what that. that is, I can fill in the blanks. It's like knowing uh, for your brain, like you don't just do verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse. You don't just do that, you know? So it's more complex when you're trying to be like, I'm going to do this. I still don't even, I don't even know what a bridge is. I still don't know what a bridge is, right? <laughs> but like there's people that do that. There, or there's like, I'll look on genius, like on a, at a lyric or whatever. And it'll be like the pre-chorus. I'm like, what the fuck? You know, there's so many pieces, you know, when you're composing something. So I'm very like, if I was going to write a song, I'd be like, what's, what's the, what's the big picture? What's the, what is it? What's the shape? Cool. And then we start sculpting, right? Subtracting or adding or whatever. But I, I felt, I, I felt that way with way of the future. Yeah. Like I felt like, oh, he's getting me excited and I'm starting to get a taste of this before it came out. And so when it came out, everybody was like, Oh, I don't know. For, for me, it was like, bye, bye, bye or whatever. It was like, cool. Now we're, re we're satiated. We're primed for it. Right. Eclipse. Yeah. Or, or, uh, yeah. Eclipse. Eclipse to me was, um, here it is. Fuckers. Here's my solo thing. You know, it was like, okay, cool. We've been waiting for this, you know? And it was a different time. Like we were still on our computers like, I'm never on a computer. Well, that's not true. Yeah, but, like, true. I don't browse on a computer. Like, not anymore, really, you know? So, um, yeah, the only, the only reason I use a computer now is pretty much for recording. You know, everything else is on the phone. That's what I'm saying. Dude, I I do everything on a phone. I do everything on a phone now. Like, how, how can you not? Like, how can you not? But, okay, so, tangent aside, <laughs> I a part of me wants to... Hey, if you want to go out on the oil rigs, do some man work, make a fortune, do it. Fuck yeah, come back and fuck off. Like, that's great. Maybe fund another project you, with you, that. You know, that's cool. But before you do that, when I saw that post, I was like ready to write this essay and be like, wait, don't. But before, which I, like I said, there's no shame in it. Do it. Do whatever you want. But I, but I knew like, you know what? Now I'll just have this conversation with him on the show instead. And whatever like i you need to know and reverse engineer and it's work what gives you a boner every day like what's what do you like to do how do you like to show up what excites you if it's not music that's okay too if it's not picking up a guitar that's cool well what is it i think no matter what it that's worth your time and investment in in doing and and so i'm curious to what that is for you I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna anything, let you off the hook. Music. Could you say that well, again? 
I said, uh, I'm sorry. I, I said, yeah. there's like a little lag. Um, I said, I'm not going to let you off the hook. And, but, but what did you say? I interrupted you. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's music. I mean, definitely if there's something that can always pretty much excite me, it's music. Um, but I mean, it, everything kind of felt like in a lull for me. And I think that's another reason why I, I, uh, I kind of got away from playing was I wanted, I wanted to be refreshed, you know, cause it's, yeah. And I, and I think also too, I, I need to get, I need to get away from being afraid of working with others. You know, it's kind of like I've done, I, I mean, I've worked, I've worked with others. I mean, the one person I think I've collaborated with the most is, uh, is, gonna be lee you know with with um on on his older stuff with the uh, forsaken divinity i i got to do vocals on on a couple tracks and then i go and and he shows me his music and and I, i'll tell him what i hear you know and and i love that that i really do love i love going in and listening to someone's music and and they when they want me to listen to it and tell me what they hear, if I hear an idea, that definitely excites me a lot. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, like kind of producer stuff, it, not in the sense of the technical producing, because I will get some of those ideas, but those I get more on my own stuff, but more like composition wise, arrangement wise, when I listen to someone else's music, I, my mind goes, it just takes off. Oh, you can go here. You can go here. I hear this. I hear a vocal melody like this. I hear it. I see the colors, you know, Yep. that, that definitely excites me. But music, music is always going to be the one thing that excites me. If I, if I think if I could do something, it'd be to, it would probably be to, to play, and um, that be my like to play maybe tour and um and then be like a co-producer on something yeah you know to a, a bands that need direction you know or can't finish songs things like that that that's one of my biggest fortunes i can i can take you i can finish it i can say go this route or this route you know, or take the collective and say, I would hear you doing this, you know, like a consultant, I guess. Uh, There's a that guy, makes sense. I, I, I guess it, it would be producer. It makes, it makes total sense. I don't know. I'm stupid. And this is a bad example. I'm, I apologize. But so I don't like Maroon 5, um, who I'm sorry if you do. <laughs> uh, they're not really for me. So they had that song called Memories. So once again, if that's your that's your that's if you like it, cool. Um, not that into it, but I know that the person that basically wrote that song, um, that's that's what he does, right? Like he writes hits basically for for people, and he has like a hip hop background, you know. And so I forget his name, and that's why I I, did, I was nervous about bringing him up, but um. I think and I, and so when I found that out, I was like, you see, that's what I'm talking about. I like learning that because if you look at 
that song in particular, supposedly there's like eight rioters. It's like, what? How does that? But it makes sense because basically, yeah. you know, whoever's in the room, right? Sometimes, right? It's like, well, this guy's in the room. Yeah. And so they know how to put the, the button on this, right? Or they contributed a verse or whatever. Um, and then there's the music and then there's the vocals and there's the lyrics. And like, it, it's all kinds of writing is really uh, relative in a way because, you know, the drums, that's part of the writing. So I, I'm not really doing a good job in explaining like, that co-producer. No, I get where you're going, you know, know what I'm saying? Know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, th that to me, like, um, is we don't put that position on a pedestal enough in culture. Like, um, I always loved learning after the fact that, like, oh yeah, Prince wrote that. What? Prince wrote that? You know? Oh shit, yeah. Shit like that, right? Like, I I live for that. Like knowing who's behind the scenes that, that puts the, that takes it to the next level. I love that stuff. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I'm a big, so like Bruno was like that. Was he? Yeah. See, I didn't know that. That's what he, before he like went and did his, like actually blew up on his own. Mm -hmm. He was, he was that he was making songs for other people and stuff like that. And being part of the song sometimes, but he actually wrote it. See, that's what I'm talking about. Um, I'm a big fan of Sia. She had an album out called, uh, oh gosh, why don't I know this? Um, hold on, I'm going to look it up. I'm ashamed. Oh, it's called This Is Acting. Great album. Um, oh, right, yeah. And basically, it, it's composed of songs that she intended for other people. But she was like, I'm going to sing this, right? Um, but like she wrote diamonds for Rihanna. She right. Her, yeah, exactly. Her smash alive was intended for Adele, right? Shit like that. And so I love that. Like if I had that ability in music, I'd do it. But I feel like I definitely have that with, with video. I would have ideas when I was doing, uh, Dakota Myers video work. And I was like his, I mean, I did everything. Like he never told me, let's try this. Like I did everything. Um, and I had the director exactly. And so it was cool. Cause it was him. All I had to do was just push the button, but I would do experiments on his Instagram. Cause when he had 300, 300,000 Instagram followers, I was like, well, I wonder if this would pop, you know? And so it just proved to me that like my theory, it was like validation. Like you said, with the Carrie King thing, like to me, that was what that was for me, except I was 30. I was like, oh, my ideas aren't shit. Like, but with this Dakota Meyer packaging, like it, it really resonates mm. with, it, with his crowd. And so I was like, oh, so if I do it and I get like three likes and four views, it doesn't mean that it's bad. It just means that's the attention that I have. But with this guy's platform, the idea, you know, achieves the results that I was intending, you know, whatever that was. And I'm not I'm not trying to be braggadocious about that, but it, it was just like, oh, it's like having a song and it doesn't work when I play it. But if I give it to this artist, it works because they already have that sort of platform. Right. And, it, and Wait, so so there, there's a, therefore, it's a good song, sorry. technically. Right. See, that that kind of takes me to back in in 2017. I so my, my brother, my brother has always wanted to do like uh, songs. He's always wanted to do like hip hop songs mm. and, and like rap and stuff. And, and I, I make different beats and, and he'd always say, Oh, we got to do something. We got to do something on that. And I want to say it was that year. I, I made a song with them called Goodfellas. 
Mm. And it it was it was weird for me to go into that, but I did it. You know, I it was something he wanted to do. And um I think I have it still on my band camp mm. page. It it's it's just it's way different and, and it's a it's like something that I never thought I would do, you know, to even try to venture into like hip hop. Even though I love I love rap and I love hip hop, but it's just it's not what people see initially and it's it's not my forte for sure. Let's 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 but check it, was it out. Fun. Can you hear that? Yeah. Let's check it out. Yeah, it's that. So Going for the gold, all in, never fold. Doing the untold, it's my life I control. Coming with the bang, new trend, new thing. Coming out the dark like Bruce Wayne. Go ahead and shoot your shot, there's no change. If you make it, gotta take it, cause there's no range. And this game of life, everybody got a place, so don't take it light. Fight, cause you gotta make it right. Even off an idea from a sleepless night. Turn it into something that'll pay the flight. Pay the price to take off, no fear of heights. No fear of heights. Spark at the external got me feeling right. Dynamite, let the fluids that blew my mind. And I don't give a fuck whether you comply. I'm doing I, never gonna lose a sight. Never gonna lose my mind. Got the vision where I'm gonna be. Through the tunnel, I put out to see. Wavy vibe, no killing it for me. Overcoming fear, that's why I disappeared. Flip the switch on, shining like a chandelier. Yeah, all, all night, all night. Pretty fucking lady to the sunlight. Good morning, and you know I gotta hit it, so she morning. She morning. Never even had a send a warning. I'm just talking some shit, always do when I'm lit with the saucy outfit. No, we not done, just for the sun, go for a run, a marathon. Saying that I'm funny and I show. You will feel a second of the mask now, oh no. Now it's time for you to run. These are water shots with every gun. I'm a two, this is one on one, one on one, one And we're starting in. Oh, dude. How have yeah, I never so heard that? It's, uh, you know, like, and, and my brother. My brother turned it out like, I mean, he he knocked it out like it was fun. It was really fun to do, and and so I took that and I decided I was gonna try a different outlet, not Gien. Mm. And and I was trying to go under the name Wolfgang. Mm. And but this was this was also without knowing that Tyler the Creator had uh, what's it called. It's it's like uh, Odd Future Wolfgang something I forgot what the whole thing is but mm-hmm. and uh, you know uh, one of my friends Josh told me he's like yeah man there's there's already like Wolfgang technically and I was like well I'm gonna do it anyway yeah and so I made a song called Fire that was in the light of like uh, the weekend mm. and I've actually made I've made two songs that are kind of like that they're they're like weekendish and I. I did okay. The music was good. And I just, I don't really fit in that, you know, category. It just, my voice isn't really made for it. Mm-hmm. But I always thought, damn, if I heard The Weeknd singing this, it would be fire. You know, it'd be, it'd be good. Yeah. So, you know, it kind of reminded me when you, when you mentioned like Sia. Yeah. We're talking about those, those writers who they write specifically for other artists. I always felt like I could definitely sell those songs to him, you know? Yeah, that's something I think is worth. It's worth, like, um, the energy, the focus, the reps, the 
the failure like it's it's totally worth it you know like i would dm hundreds of people a day on instagram like hey i want to basically take free photos for you or you know record something for you and all you need is one person to say yes you know and then repeat right like that's it's a grind but it beats waiting and overthinking and staying in your head right like it's of course it's a grind it's got to be a grind you know because it takes audacity yeah. it takes audacity to to want to pull that off for a living and to make art money it's so audacious but it's totally worth it man i mean you already got the skills you don't have to prove yourself to anybody now you just got to knock on some doors i think it's worth yeah, it yeah i think that's that i think i think that's what i have to do honestly. if you made uh, that a part of your brand like, hey, I'm Gian, I do this, and so here's all the stuff that I've done. Yeah, that's great. But, you know, I've, I, you know, just kind of like a repackaging of, and you put that out there that you do it, people are going to hit you up, man. For sure. For sure. And all you need is one smash that goes out there, and then you got the, you got the credibility for that, and then you got the next one. You get the access. Once you got the access, now you're inside. Shake the hands, meet people, blah, 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 give value. That's it. Like, that's the way you go. You're still young. Yeah, I just I gotta figure out how to do that. You know, I could like, and that's also been my my one. I think one of my weaknesses is is reaching out to people. I always figure, I always keep trying to do everything on my own. You know, you know and what it is? It's it's the old, it's the way we grew up, man. Like we grew up in a way that that was harder. You know, I think than these kids. These kids, like that's second nature to them. They don't question it. It's not just because they're kids. It's because that's encouraged man like people now if you're 18 and you start a business people kind of take you seriously that you can make money you know at 18 and if i started a business and i put ceo you know i'm like ceo of, no one's gonna take me seriously in 2006 nobody not even yeah. my own family you know I, I and fuck fuck everybody that told me like oh you know how hard it is to make it well fuck what could, i would never tell that to one of my family members, I'd just be trying to help them, you know, try to give them, right. you know, if, if it's solicited, you know, some good advice, you know, tweaks here and there, but just tell them, you know, how hard it's going to be. Like there's a difference between, you know, if my son says he wants to be a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to take 10 years. That doesn't mean you can't do it. You know, it's different, but I think the way you start is you just start and you do tremendous research. I I've, this is me talking like my anxiety. Um, you can't, Sometimes like research and studying and planning, like sometimes that feels really rewarding because it feels like you're being productive. After a while, like you have to know when to say, okay, I, now I got to just go, you know, like I'm, I've, I planned for 10 yeah. years. Like I just, I'm a planner, but shit doesn't really pop until you go, man. And if something doesn't go according to plan, then you're like, well, I'm going to plan again. Right. So I think you just go like, you just have to go and say, hey, I'm doing this. This is what I do now. I'm doing this. I'm passionate about it. Like, who out there? Dude, like, you know, I don't know enough people personally, like, because I don't actively seek out musicians. But surely there's people in the country scene. There's people here. There's people there. And, you know, maybe you write, I don't know, a guitar thing for them or you add this whatever or you you have a hook for them, right? Whatever that is, let them go out and whatever that transaction is for you that makes it worth it. Like sometimes it's not even money. 
Like we think about money too much. I got to eat too. I get it. But sometimes like the transaction is, hey, do you know this person? Yeah. Can you give me their number? Right. Ooh, that's more valuable than a dollar sometimes. So it yeah. takes, dude, I'm a, I, I don't know if I'm an extrovert or an introvert. I, I don't really know because it's hard for me to go meet people. If I was an extrovert, like I'd be that guy that's like, like Dave, Dave's really good at meeting people and like making friends and i'm like i can't <laughs> it's just so hard but also I'm, i got i got kids uh, and shit so it's it's hard to want to leave them you know it's much easier to just you know watch alita battle angel with my daughter for the 40th time it's just much easier to do that right. you know um sorry I, I cut you off no i was saying i told you man when it comes to like meeting new people literally just starting a conversation a lot of times, but it's all your, it's about the vibe too. If you're worried about it, like what someone's going to say, then, then it won't happen. But if you just, you, you see someone turn to you, they're already interested in starting a conversation. Yeah. I feel. No, totally. The energy, the intent, it, it matters. Um, but I mean, as you know, like I've never, I'm not going to say never, but I can't think of a moment where I said something and it totally burnt a bridge and people hated me and they thought I was a fucking loser. That's happened in my head a billion times. And so my neurons feel that it's real, but it hasn't happened. Right. So, yeah, but what's happened more is like, I put myself out there and I meet a cool person. Now I'm still friends with that person. You know, that, that happens more. You know, like that was like the good thing about Yedbaria as I was leaving, as I knew I was going to leave, like Yedbaria was happening. And I was like, Oh, this is cool. And I was trying to forge my my uh, presence there, not as a um, entertainer, but as a guy behind the scenes of like, yeah, I support all you guys. I have your back. And so I don't know what the scene is there. I can tell you that there's talent in the Valley. There's no money, right? There's no money. But with what you do, I'm a big believer in like, now that we exist on the internet, like everything's remote. Everything is mobile, virtual. Yeah virtual like if you just show the internet every day that you're open for business and here's what you do and here's the people that can vouch for you that's the shit that becomes word of mouth you know and then you let other people speak up for you yeah that's fair that's the way it goes for that. everybody for everybody for sure um i i want to be very respectful of your time um uh, we've been going for for over two hours and something tells oh, me yeah. you're in your car right now. Yeah. Okay. I respect that because it sounds good. It sounds really good. I'm not going to lie. But, um, yeah, that's, that's but, actually why I'm in here. Cause, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's a, it's a perfect sound chamber. And, like, no. It's closed off. You know, like they're built to be for sure. perfect for, I, I you know, audio. I've recorded some of the best sounding voiceovers for my job, like in a car, like for sure. Um, but before we go do our own thing, I definitely disclose without saying want to do this again. Like this is kind of like a a backstory introduction type episode for my audience, so they can know like who who you are, what you're all about, what you do, what you got going on. So I wanted to get that those formalities out of the way, but I definitely want to build this foundation that lends for more fuck off conversations and maybe creative stuff down the road. So don't you worry about that. We're going to do this again, hopefully again and again and yep. again. But is there anything that, that you want to walk away from with this talk that, that I can do for you or I can give you, or if you have 
something that's like a rock in your, your shoe that you'd like to get off your chest or anything you want to ask me. And I just want to be able to do right by you. And, and that way you can look back on, on this episode and say, cool. Like we got, we got a lot of cool stuff in. I mean, a hundred percent. I'm uh, glad we finally had this. Uh, Same. I've been wanting to, you know, and I, I just didn't know like how it would go. I had enough to say, but obviously, like, 100% always look forward to our conversations. Because we, because honestly, I mean, it just, it, can, it goes back and forth, never ending, pretty much. And uh, and I always get, like, I, I look forward to your, your podcast daily. Because even if you think, like, it, you know, you're just, like, like you say, um, you have to keep it going. Mm -hmm. Like, every little tidbit to me, I, I feel like it's daily gold. Like That's it, cool. um, but I will say that uh, I guess if there's anything I want to put out, it's more that I'm I'm open to any type of collaboration with anybody. I I love that. Like I that gives me that spark that uh, I think I've I think I've kind of shut out for a long time. And, um, well, you were in the hyperbolic chamber. You're this cocoon that's inside, like, you know, thinking and festering and growing and also accumulating life experience, right? Like, you got to go out, you got to get fucked, you got to fuck, you got to create new friendships and relationships, and you got to go to bumfuck Oklahoma and realize this is not what I want to do and lay concrete or whatever it is. And, like, you know, you have to get life in before you have something worth saying, right? Like, how many musicians after a while... They, they don't have anything interesting to say, and then their songs are just about touring and hotel rooms and being on the road. And it's like, okay, but how relatable is that, right? Like, you have to live a life. A thousand percent, man. And I think, and I, I, and I think you've been doing that. And also, just, just to tag what you're saying about being open to collaboration, I would also add, Gian's very approachable, and don't be intimidated by him. Don't be intimidated, because the truth is, like, I think he's... I think he's like, uh, it's like at the gym, man. Like, some, it's always like the people that are like the most jacked that will be the first to spot you if you ask. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to be intimidated oh, yeah. by people, you know? Uh, 100%. They're just more down the marathon than you. But we're all, we're all on the same marathon. We're all just, you know, trying to build our dreams. And that's what Gan's trying to do as well. So don't be intimidated by him. Just wanted to let people know that up front. Definitely, a thousand percent. I, I, would, hope, I would hope no one's intimidated. But I, I also don't take those things into consideration. You know, those are certain things that I forget, you know, um, that not, not everyone is, is that, uh, or doesn't think that everybody's as approachable, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, 100%. Anybody ever has questions or has, you know, wants an opinion on something or I'll always, like, what I feel is like I, I took my time not only learning my instrument, but learning the craft of, of writing, of learning arrangements, of music in general, just understanding it all, you know, and then meeting all the people that I have, the, the great musicians, the great creatives, uh, all the different people that I've met just over the different jobs that I've been at. Every, every little bit contributes to where I'm at at this point. And, 
I, I kind of feel like what's the what is the point of me having done the work and learning everything and if I can't share it and help someone else make you know maybe the next thing that blows my mind. That's right. That's true. Yeah, man. Same. You know, I think about that too with um, videographers. Like once I I know something's wrong with me when when I start feeling petty and I'm like, what the fuck? Why does this guy have? I'm like, knives. No, you're not looking at this all wrong, man. Like, um, this isn't a like. There's so much to. There's so much room for anybody to make it. Everybody's trying to inspire one another. Like I, when I'm bitter, it's because I'm resentful because I'm not doing enough. Like it's never other people. You know, people only inspire me. Like, no one ever really tries to take anything away from me, to be honest. And if they do, they can't. You know, I've, I've, been, uh, I've been fucked in the business, and I've hurt people, and I've been hurt, and it has not been enough to stop me, you know? And I think for most people, yeah. they don't want to get hurt. But that's part of the process. Like, the David Bowies, the Princes, the Ozzy Osbournes, whomever. Like, everybody has been hurt one way or, 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 or another, or has been the asshole, you know? Um, and I've been that too, and it doesn't define me and you have to keep going. So I can get, I can get stuck in the, in the cycle as well. And I can get in my head and I can start overthinking, but it's nothing with, you know, it's always positive intentions, man. And the, the thing that gets me out of it, um, is, is actually working is doing this. Like this, this right here is, it's yeah. like, um, you know, when I used to backyard wrestle, the thing I liked about it the most was when I'm getting hit in the head or if I'm throwing somebody off of something, like I'm not thinking about my bills. It's like a free fall. Like I'm just I'm just going down. And and for me, recording podcasts with cool people do that as well. Like I haven't been in my head in this conversation. You know what I mean? So just interfacing with more people is is good. And you're lucky that they don't need to be musicians for you to vibe off of them. Like that's good, you know. Yeah. So, so do more of that. Get more of that in your life before you commit to an oil rig. If that's something you want to do and you got to do it, do it. One hundred percent. I support that, and I'll see you when you get back. But at the same time, like you know, you're gonna get in your head again when you're over there, and you're gonna be daydreaming about what you can do once you're here right now. So at least try to get some in before you go. It's very true. That's my nature, man. <laughs> For sure. That's my nature. I always, I'm, yeah. You nailed it. I love you so much, man. Thank you for for coming on the show. We're gonna do it again. I'm not just saying that. Just wanted to crack the pavement initially for people, and then we'll come on, and then um, I'll have even more questions to ask, and then uh, uh, just creatively speaking, like I want to know how you how you build something, how you create something when you know something is finished. Like I want to get into the meat and potatoes into into creation that sounds great man i can't wait for that it's gonna happen uh just before i let you go where can people find you on the internet um my main music page is guien.bandcamp.com you can find me on instagram at t-h-e underscore guien g-u-i-l-l-e-n i'm also on tiktok right now so posting random content it's a lot of fun and uh, of course, and you always open the messages. Send me whatever. And uh, love you, man. I, I, this was great. I love you too, man. This will be up in a bit, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Have a good one. Take care, man. Never ever believe anything you hear. I believe only half of what you see. Ah.
And always, 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 forever and ever and ever, put a force field around your heart.